Simon Munnery. Hello. You've just been on tour with Stuart Lee, and how was that? Uh, it was great. It was amazing. A, a thousand Stuart Lee fans in a big old 19th century theatre is, uh, is a joy to perform to. I imagine they're a really nice audience. Yes. There was only one place that got heckled. <laughs> that's in Glasgow, of course. <laughs> At the King's Theatre, and the heckle was. It was about ten minutes in. It was going very well, thanks for asking. But uh, ten minutes in, this bloke goes, uh, Well, Stuart Lee! And I said, he's in the dressing room. <laughs> He'd been on already at the beginning and said, I've got a special guest for the first bit, and then there'd be an interval, and then I'll be on after that. So I think everyone knew what was happening. Really. <laughs> Just, well, Stuart Lee, you know. I said, uh, he's in the dressing room. He'll be out later, <laughs> OK? And was he happy with that? Well, he, he shut up for a bit, but then he came... I knew he was going to come back at some point, but he's, he, I think he was quite drunk. Uh, I can't, can't blame him. Uh, then the uh, yeah, he came back again with exactly the same one, which was, uh, well, Stuart Lee. <laughs> and uh, said, I refer you to my earlier answer. So I came over a bit parliamentary. And then and he tried to interrupt another joke, uh, ruined it a bit. And I said, there's, you know, there's some jigsaws at the back. <laughs> and that calmed him down. But then the other people started shouting at him. But it was all right. That's the only heckle in the... I mean, lovely, really, generally. Stuart Lee audiences. <laughs> I'm briefly interrupting to let you know that I'm Marsha from yesyesmarsha.com and this is from a series of interviews that I did from 2009 to 2011 called Marsha Meets, which were long-form interviews with stand-up comedians that eventually inspired the book Off the Mic, The World's Best Stand-Up Comedians Get Serious About Comedy. That book's out now on Bloomsbury Publishing. Back to the interview. How do you... I've seen you a bunch of times and I've seen you... The first time I saw you was a long time ago. I used to live in Edinburgh and it was years ago when I lived there. And I've seen you with the kind of different extremes of audiences. Recently, whenever I've seen you, it's always been really positive. But I remember really early... Well, early on, the first time I saw you was late in live. You. <laughs> in late in live's brutal days. I loved and, it. But yeah, you. so you came on and, and I think, you know, people were kind of expecting... I don't know, Brendan Burns to come out and do what Brendan does or whatever. And you came on doing the League of Tedium, which... Against! I'm sorry, League Against <laughs> Tedium. Oh, my God, sorry. <laughs> well, the, the worst introduction I ever got, that was... Uh, I was well, I was, I, was, I was doing the League Against Tedium, but I was introduced as Mark Mayer. Uh, he's a comic. Uh, then he was introduced as the League of Tedium. <laughs> but it was Mark Mayer. It was all wrong. But sorry, yes. League Against Tedium. Against. Uh, which is... Do you want to kind of explain? What was it? It was a kind of... Uh, the character of it was, it was a sort of Mr. Loser type character who'd reinvent himself as a winner by uh, claiming to be better than anyone else. So it began with a bombardment of slides over Verdi's Requiem and uh, a bit of a voiceover going, attention scum, you are nothing, absolutely nothing. Just abuse of the audience. And either you find that... It's quite a fragile act. Either you find it funny or you don't. And I can tell you in uh, uh, Melbourne and uh, Toronto, they didn't. But it, it seemed to work in Edinburgh, it worked in London... And it worked once in Manchester, but apart from that. But you never seemed perturbed when it didn't on, you know, on those early I had occasions. Trick. <laughs> I was, I was really? definitely perturbed if it didn't go. Yes. I mean, the first time I ever did it was at the, at the Fringe Club in, in Edinburgh many, many years ago. Uh, and that went well until I killed a worm. Shouldn't have done, shouldn't have done that. But, you what know, do you mean you killed a worm? I bought some worms from a fishing shop. Oh, I thought it was a euphemism. <laughs> oh, uh, no. <laughs> I actually killed one. OK, and then you killed it well, on stage. Well, I didn't kill it. I cut it in two. Although, right. You know, apparently both halves live. Yeah. But anyway, it caused a wave of sort of outrage. Well, rightly, you know, <laughs> someone came up to me and said, you've ruined a good act. <laughs> that was this and the other comment I got, wasn't a comment, it was uh, a, uh, a quite fiery comedian who <laughs> just grabbed me by the neck and held me against a wall by the neck going, there was no need for the worm to die. 
Wow. I agreed. It wasn't like I didn't know that. You know, I've never killed a worm since on stage. I've probably trod on one, you know, by accident. But the worm-killing days are over. And do you find, when you go on your own tours, do you find a really noticeable difference in the audience? Oh, yes, much, much less of them than the, on Stuart Lee's tour. He's been on telly quite a lot lately. Although you were on his telly show. I was. That hasn't helped. Has well, it hasn't, I don't know if it's helped or not. I don't know. It's very hard to tell why an audience turns up, unless you ask them. And I don't, so I don't know. You've done loads of stuff with him, though. You've been doing stuff with him for for yeah, years. Yeah. You had a TV show that he directed. I, I did have a TV show and yeah, he directed it. Which well. was Attention Scum. It was called Attention Scum. It was on BBC Two. And that was, again, the League Against Tedium. So that was, yeah, the main character was that. Also in it, Johnny Vegas was in it. Johnny Vegas was in it. Kevin Eldon, who we've had on the podcast and he was talking about it. And oh, he was in it, yes. One of the funniest things I've seen ever was him doing his... Uh, what am I? What, it was the hottest day of the year, I think. And we had him dressed in a pink leotard running around this field going, What am I? What am I? What am I? What am I? I had to move out of the way so I wasn't being recorded because I was crying with laughter. I was in a hedge going, <laughs> The other one he did, which we never got in, was um, him being a tramp and um, pushing an empty shopping cart in a rubbish tip uh, and sort of doing this sign with his hand like he was like you know trying to invite the camera to have a drink. Like we, but then it became more sort of extra, more, more, more extreme, and it was, it wasn't so much having a drink, or it was, it was sucking something a bit like a tube, tube kind of thing. You can probably imagine what that was. But anyway, that again, I cried laughing. There's a few, quite a few clips of it on YouTube. Yeah. At the moment, and it got nominated for a Golden Rose at Montreal. It did. Yeah. Where did you meet Stuart in the first place? I was... think it must have been in a toilet. <laughs> well, I meet people. No, it was, it was uh, probably Edinburgh. Yeah. Well, we share a connection through Richard Henry. My double act partner, uh, at the time I was in a double act called Gordon Jesus, uh, went to school with his double act partner, Richard right. Henry. Uh, but I don't think we ever met. I think we, we met in Edinburgh. Before Edinburgh. Is there anything before? The... Yes, before Edinburgh, yeah. <laughs> before Edinburgh, when you started out. You did Footlights, right? I'm not imagining that. I did, yeah. At Cambridge. Yeah. But and... I started before. Well, I started when I was 19. Oh, did you? Yeah. But I was, I was at college, at university, but I went down to London and did open spots. My first pay gig was at 19. Did you? And do you remember yeah. your very first gig? Yeah, first paid one, I remember. What was it like? Uh, it went all right. It was at the Royal Oak, no longer exists, on Hemingford Road near Highbury. Ian Cognito booked it. Uh, and the, uh, the audience didn't pay to get in, but it was £25 cash. And uh, I've not looked back. And what was your material like then? Similar? I used to do a quite deadpan act called The Security Guard, because I'd worked as a security guard and been sacked, but I kept the uniform. And I'd written some security guard jokes. Like, Good evening, I am a security guard. I have a few security guard jokes for you. I used to get a laugh. Uh, how many security guards does it take to change a light bulb? One, we're not stupid. Three security guards go into a pub... Nothing happens, but that's what we get paid for. <laughs> anyway, there's more of it. That's the bit I can remember. And so what inspired you to do it in the first place? Had people said to you, oh, uh, you're funny, you should give it a go? Nope, no one said that, and they still haven't. No, no, I was, uh, I was at college, university, I tried to join every club and um, I went to audition for every play that was on in the hope of meeting girls. But I didn't get into any audition. And did you meet any girls? No, that, that neither. Um... And uh, I didn't go to many schools. But one thing I did get into was the, the thing called the Footlight Smoker, where you go along and you perform a little bit to the, uh, I don't know, whoever's in charge. And then the next day, if they like it, you're selected and you, you do it in front of an audience. And I did it, and it went very well. Did you Had you really thought about what you were going to do, or did you just turn up? Uh, no, I'd, I'd written something to do. 
which was deadpan kind of thing, a bit inspired by Ted Chippington, I suppose. But I, I, all I remember really was the finale, which was a uh, like sort of a different sort of joke for you now. And I had this cooked tomato in my hand all the way throughout, and then smashed it on my head, which meant it just splattered all over the audience. <laughs> I went slapstick lives and walked off. <laughs> uh, and they liked it. I think so. Well, I enjoyed it. That's the main thing. And so, so then, did you go to Edinburgh with them, or was that after you finished? I went to Edinburgh before. I went um, in my second year when I was about 20 in a show called um, Jane Austen Astronaut, question mark. <laughs> right. Was that as you'd imagine it? Was it, you know, archetypal Edinburgh, experience, Edinburgh Festival fringe experience of sleeping in rows on a floor, people stepping over you all night and doing a poorly attended show. But it was fun. I, I enjoyed the, the performing element. And did you think... What was the point where you started doing this as a job? Did you, when you graduated, did you have real jobs? Uh, no, I did some jobs in the summer holidays to pay off my debts. And a bit, but no, I don't think I ever, never had a proper job, no, not since. So you just kind of, did you go like pretty much straight into doing it full time? Like? Yeah, I was, I was doing gigs anyway when I was at, at college and just carried on, more gigs. I got an agent, uh, and, and then, then after a while, the wind changes and you're stuck like that. <laughs> like, I never planned. It wasn't like a plan to do it. It was just something I did, loved doing, carried on doing. And then, I mean, now I think to myself, oh, I wish I had some other income stream or, or something <laughs> something else to do. Really? Uh, well, a bit, yeah. It was quite like... But, you know, it's too late, isn't it? Oh, hello, okay, here's your CV. I've been a comedian for 20 years. What what does that suit me to do now? I think there'd probably be quite a lot. Oh, I yeah. remember, I, yeah, I had a big... Before I got the job here, I had a big career crisis and I was and I had filled in a form to become an air hostess and it said, list your last two jobs and your main responsibilities. And I thought, my main responsibilities included pressing play and announcing the record. But actually, ended up speaking to loads of people who said, oh, no, but you can stand up in front of a room and talk to I suppose, yeah, I've got no of crowds. Yeah, which, you know, yeah. there's a lot of people... Crumbs, you're right. <laughs> I could talk to people. <laughs> you can talk to people. And you're quick thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I think it probably equips you for quite a lot. Yes, I don't... I, you know, Not I'm, that I'm trying to discourage you, because I think right. you're wonderful, and I don't want you to stop. Right, but I, I love it, but it's, you have to love it as well. It's a, it's a... When it changes from being... You know, I've got a wife and some children, I don't know how many, um, and, um, and, you know, and a bit of property to rent so uh, when you have to do something to earn a living it changes this from being uh, that adds an extra bit of pressure but in fact you have to forget that you just go on stage yeah. I, but I do love it I still love it do you? apart from the travel kind of, sometimes I go oh. being a comedian is a bit like being a long distance lorry driver but with more stress at the end of the journey you, know, you, tra- you drive, drive for miles and miles and miles get out pace around for an hour do your show get back in you know, drive the rest of the night the tour you've got coming up next year it's, qu- it's quite long Yes, but with gaps. Right. But hopefully. Yeah. But do you drive yourself around? Is that how you. I imagine so. Or train. I prefer the right. train when I can. If you get trains, do you find yourself. Well, I always like to sit on the. Uh, right at the border between the first class and second class. You know, the standard class, the first class. People don't know, but often there's a first class carriage, but part of it is given over about a third spatially. Obviously, less, less seats wise because uh, first class seats are much bigger. But I like to sit there just right on that border. So I can breathe the same air as the people in first <laughs> class and use the same toilet facilities but not pay the excessive fare. So I've noticed that as a tendency I have. So, oh, that's the bit I want to sit in. Do you ever take someone with you? Yeah. No. no why? But Against the, their will? For the <laughs> a hostage? For the boredom factor. Generally, you tend to be on your own. I think I tend to be on my own. I think people don't kind of realise how solitary... Because it's quite a weird thing of the two extremes, isn't it? That you're by yourself yeah. and, and then, then you turn in front up. of a massive crowd. Yeah. Or a small crowd or some sort of crowd, anyway, hopefully. Three, apparently, to crowd, so, you know... <laughs> 
And then, and also, what you, what you tend to find is um, after a gig, you've got about an hour and a half's worth of adrenaline to burn off. So that's a good time to get on that motorway and start heading south, whatever direction it is. Well, uh, we talked about that TV show. You, you've actually done quite a few other different TV things. You had yeah. this show, London Shouting. On BBC Two, Pilot, yes. Which Nominated was, for the British Comedy Awards. Yeah. Never got a series. But you did it with Graham Linnett. Graham Linnett, yeah. Who... He was doing well. Yeah, Father yeah. Ted and the IT crowd yeah. and Black Books. This was another character. Alan Parker and Moria, yeah, character yeah. used to be. Who you had done him on a Radio One show that you won a Sony for it? Yeah. Do you want to just explain who Alan Parker was yeah. a uh, angry young man character based on Jimmy Percy, the lead singer of Sham Sixty Nine, and uh, students I knew at Cambridge who would be uh, wearing donkey jackets and um, NCB miners' outfit and clumpy boots and pretending like they were in the vanguard of something and talking with uh, fake Cockney accents in uh, attempt, you know, that, that, that's what was happening at the time. A kind of left-wing, would-be rabble-rousing... I suppose it's back in fashion again, isn't it? Yeah. It is, but, yeah. yeah, especially this do week. do it again. Yeah. yeah. Well, have you, whenever I'm interviewing someone, I put a thing out on Twitter and Facebook saying I'm interviewing these people, do you have any questions? Mm. And loads of people came back and said, is, is Alan Parker going to come back? Is the league against Stadium going to come back? Like, have you kind of put those characters well, to bed? Is Alan Parker... Um, maybe 15, 16 years. <laughs> That's enough, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I did it. Again, I did it in Edinburgh. I did some benefits for the uh, victims of the Pakistani flood. I bought on ten nights. I thought, I know, I'll, I was doing my show, but I thought, I'll, I'll host that as Alan Parker. So I did it. Uh, and it was fine. And then I did it in Stuart Lee's Stubley. <laughs> but then I did it on, he said, uh, one night, I can't remember where it was, somewhere we'd been the year before supporting him. He said, oh, you do Alan Parker. I said, all right. And I did it. I did it totally sober, which I'd never... Hadn't done for years, and it was—it just felt so stale and old. It's all right if I'm drunk, I can do it because it, then it's probably I have to struggle to think about it. Whereas sober, it just seemed unless I write some new some new stuff for it, which I haven't. I mean, about five years ago, I wrote some new stuff <laughs> for it. Every so often, I think of a new thing. Um, yes, I'll do it again. All right, thanks. <laughs> well, so tell me about the new show. All I've heard about it so far is that you wear a suit. Yeah, I wear a suit. Yeah, that's nice. Is that a big change for you then to it wear is. a suit? I, I, I bought a suit. I thought, oh, I'll try. It. I saw it in a shop. I thought, oh, I'll buy that. Has it made a difference to how you do it? Yeah, I like, I, you know, I like the ritual of putting on my suit, of carrying it with me in a suit bag, and I put it on, and I go out and I do my act, my honed, beautiful act. I'm very, very pleased with it. I'm happy with it. Of course, at the back of your mind, any comedian, you think. Yeah, at some point it's going to go, it's going to turn to sand. It's going to, you know, it's going to be awful. I won't be able to do it anymore. Like Alan Parker, you know, I, yes, I was very good at doing that, but after a while I can't do it anymore. you said it too much. Like anyone, all humans are the same. You probably have about six anecdotes, and then one wears out and another one comes up. After a while you get to the stage, oh, I need something else to happen. <laughs> something funny to happen I can report. But then uh, another thing with the kind of material you do is, because there's a lot of one-liners, people quote you a lot. Do they? And, um, that doesn't help, does it? Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it's kind of, again, it's a weird thing with comedy in particular, that if someone mm. were to sing another musician's song, then... Oh, that's fine, isn't it? So, songs, they get away with it. They all play the hits, they never do that to comedians. Tell us the jokes we've heard. You never get that. What happens to a joke is it passes into ether. You know, like, um, you might have heard the phrase, it's a small world where I wouldn't want to paint it. You know where that comes from? No. Stephen Wright! Really? Yeah, but a joke gets dissociated from its author. And I think if it's lucky, it will enter the language and become part of culture, but divorced from any sense of ownership. Whereas a song or a poem, they get quoted. You'll say, and this is by someone. That's all right. 
<laughs> we'll mention your website where people can see about the shows, but I want to ask about a couple of other things, mm. which I only recently discovered. One is your kind of association with Banksy, that you have Ooh. before... No, been his sometimes been said that you're his lawyer and sometimes just, his I, spokesperson and then people have often said are you Banksy no I'm not uh, no I'm not and I, I, I've met him or have I I don't know someone who claimed to be him I was employed to do the job of spokesperson for his LA show which was great getting flown out there and I, I thought I'll be Morris Chutney lawyer and I bought a suit this is pre this suit I bought this suit and uh, had it on and I was all ready to go be my, uh, anyway staying in this hotel and to come to the first interview and sort of back to back radio interviews and telly and uh, there's one goes she says so what, for the record what's your name and I said my name is Morris Chutney I am a lawyer she goes she told me your name's Simon <laughs> I went oh yeah it is sorry uh, that was that ruined but anyway the, the job was great I just had to uh, back back the questions and ask something and I'd just question the question. Oh, really? Did yes, you... I was told to say nothing. Oh, just, you didn't yeah. get, like, a briefing on... Not really. Not, no, just say as little as you can. OK. And did you accidentally say anything at any point that then got... Because like, everyone's, you know, desperate to hear what does Banksy have to say, what does his spokesperson uh, have to say? I don't know. I might have said some things. I can't remember. It was a while ago. Just... And how did that come about in the first place? Was it just that you knew him? Because yeah, I know you've done some right. bits for... Uh, just that I knew him. Right. You've done some bits, but you've kind of... For some of the books that he's put out. He borrowed some of my, as he calls them, lyrics. Right. Uh, you know, I think of them as jokes. Right. You know, some words, he borrowed them and put them on walls, which is nice. Well, that's... If he thinks I probably of them shouldn't as... admit to it, though. So it's probably secret. Really? I like. I quite like that. I quite, what I really admire about them is the fact they do it. They just go out and stick stuff on walls without being asked or... And I have asked many times, could I come along <laughs> just to help? But I've never, never, never gone... I was no. going to do it myself. Yeah. Out. I did do some stickering, a little bit of sticking stickers up. Did you? What did they say? My sticker said, um, average greed check. And it was like the average speed check sign, but with a, with, you know, with a camera and a sort of board and the same le lettering, but changed to average greed check. I thought that'd be quite a nice thing to have. And where did you stick them? Around Bedford. Okay. Only about six. Just, just quite enjoyed it. But I might do some more. Yeah. Um, why not? Yeah. We get the time. What's wrong with it? The other thing that I wanted to ask you about is um, there's a little animation of yours which is up in a few different places. Mm -hmm. um, I found it up on YouTube, uh, which I loved having been brought up going to Catholic primary school and learning all the Bible stories. And it's basically an animation of the two. What do you want to explain? It's, uh, yes. Uh, the title was given to me. It's called One Down. Uh, the title was given to me by. Ooh. Someone, a Canadian comedian, he said, one down, you've got to call it that, because he got one down, two to go. It's theologically correct in that after Jesus was taken down, he, he came down early, he was taken down early from the cross he was on. Uh, he was cross. Um, the two thieves were left, so it was a conversation between them. And originally I did it, it was a cardboard animation. It was just, uh, I made this cardboard picture with the, with the three crosses and the two thieves on it, and the mouths moved and the eyes moved and nothing else. And they, they just chat to each other, and it's all the jokes in it are sort of theological. I think it's theological. It's, it's a bit dark, but it's theologically. It's not blasphemous in any way. Yeah, they talk because one of them, one of them mocked him, mocked Jesus, and the other one uh, was sort of on his side. And so anyway, they're talking about whether he was the Son of God or. And but also, they never say God in no. it. Oh no! Well, they, I don't believe they weren't allowed to then. Well, yeah, the, the, the Jewish system was to have dots between the letters, so you couldn't pronounce the word, which is a nice system. It's all gone a bit wrong now, you know, people say God all the time, oh my God, oh my God, <laughs> you know, for, for a sort of non-religious country, people use the word a lot. But every time you say Thursday, you're actually saying Thor's Day. Oh, yeah. So, you know, Saturn Day, uh, Wotan Wednesday, 
So we, you know, we we don't lose these gods. We keep we keep worshiping them uh, throughout the week. I find. <laughs> With that piece, yeah. who was it that animated it? Yeah, 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 him. No, I don't know. Well, I do know, but um, I can't remember offhand. Okay. But, but so I made it as a thing, as a, and I filmed it as well with just filmed in just this bit of cardboard with me doing the voices, and then oh, I can't remember his name. Sorry, mate. Uh, but he then he said, oh, I'm, "I'm an animator. I like to animate it." I said, "Oh, go ahead. Do what you like. It's too late now." But I used to do it live with Booby Graffo. He used to be. Uh, we used to do. You know, hiding behind the thing and moving the... Oh, OK. Oh, you had the cardboard like in, you were the two of you stood with your... No, but we could do, uh, maybe increase it, you know, work it up in something a bit more. In fact, Booth Gaffer came up with a brilliant joke to have at the beginning, which would be... Uh, I just had him going, one going, ah! <laughs> but you could have him going, ah! And going, wake up, wake up! What is it? You're having a nightmare. He wakes up, it's worse. It's, it's quite a nightmare, I mean... Hands, yeah, but the, but it's kind of because it sounds really dark. But there's something I found it really charming. Oh, good. And um, and also because of as you say the kind of theological consistencies all the way through that it, yeah. it kind of back references all of this stuff that happens when the three of them are on the cross. But have you had anyone up in arms about it? You no, know? no, exactly not. Oh, I've, really? I've had a vicar saying, "Can I have a copy?" In fact, I gave him a copy. In, Seriously? I was in Australia though; they're quite low quality vicars. I right. I've <laughs> not. I'm, I don't think. I think it's fine. Okay, but, I'm just surprised just because usually anything that... And, yeah, you'd think, but I, it's all the quotations. I mean, I've a little bit of artistic licence in that there's, uh, one of the centurions says to Jesus, um, Jesus says, uh, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I've got one of the centurions saying, what do you mean we don't know what we're doing? You ain't fallen down yet, have you? Ah. But he was being mocked, so yeah. it's in... That's right. That's the kind it's, of thing it's right. yeah. it's, it's fine. Okay. Really, it's fine. Well, uh, if anyone wants to see that, if they just Google... I mean, yeah. uh, or, go to YouTube and search Simon Or com. Is it I on think. your website? SimonMunnery.com. Okay. And that I'm, is... I always look it up myself. I'm always on there. That is also where they'll find all of the dates. All the dates for the tour. For the tour, which starts off of with uh, residency at the Soho Theatre. Yep, first week of February. First week, yeah. It's like the t- very end of January, I think it's 31st starts. of January, yes. which I think is a Monday yes. to the Saturday. And then you're touring around the country till May. But all of that is on your website, which it's is again... Simon Munnery, all one word, dot com. Simon Munnery, thanks so much. Muchas gracias. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you like that, you'll probably love the book that I put together with Deborah Francis White called Off the Mic, The World's Best Stand-Up Comedians Get Serious About Comedy. So asking them things like, what's your writing process? How do you find your voice? What do you think about touring? How do you deal with hecklers? We interviewed 42 stand-ups, including Eddie Izzard, Sarah Millican, Phil Jupiter, Stuart Lee, Mark Maron. It's out now on Bloomsbury Publishing. If you want to find out more, go to Yes Yes Marsha.com forward slash off the mic.